All right, here we go on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas, the Sunday morning after Independence Day. Pretty good one there. Uh, this is Out of Line. I'm Brian Feldman. We are here live every Sunday morning at 8 on Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights. The we includes, again, myself, Brian Feldman, along with social media director Spencer The Wiz Ostrovsky. And also, of course, Chris Magnum Chapman behind the wheels of steel taking care of the producing end of the show. Chris also produces several shows here as Lotus Broadcasting and is the pre-pregame show host of the UNLV Football Rebels and also the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network. And uh, we are also streaming live on uh, Twitch now, as opposed to YouTube, is what Spencer told me right before the show, and also on Facebook Live. And you can follow us on our social media sites at Adeline Fox LV. You can also give us a call. The uh, show is live, so your calls are welcome. 702-876-1340 is the number to call. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp. is the company to turn to for all of your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp. Funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 to get information on all of the home financing options currently available in Nevada. On tap today, we'll be joined in a little bit by Chris Wynn, who has been attending Summerlin. I haven't. Chris Chapman hasn't. Spencer the Wiz Ostrowski hasn't. So we'll bring in Chris, who uh, who has, and it's been a raving success ever since the beginning. So we'll talk a little bit about the NBA Summer League. Also, a little bit more on the Vegas Golden Knights. Quiet on that front right now. I think everyone just uh, settling in the wake of the first ever major um, professional sports team franchise uh, championship here in Las Vegas, which again was really cool. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. A no hitter in Major League Baseball yesterday, <laughs> and I get to talk about the Tigers. I, I think maybe in the history of doing this show for going out eleven years now, I may have talked about the Tigers four times, and every time it probably involved Miguel Cabrera. Because otherwise, what the hell would you want to talk about the Tigers about? Well, you had I, I remember you had Denny McLean on once. Well, I've had Denny McLean on, and yeah. I, you know I've talked about the '84 Tigers, but just not a lot to talk yeah, about when it comes to them. Other than I mean, you know, the manager AJ Hinch. I mean, he's you know a World Series champion manager. They do yeah. have, and I do like the guy. I don't think you need to put wires on players, but other than that, <laughs> I love AJ Hinch. I think he's a good baseball mind, and it's pretty funny. We'll, we're going to talk about that a little later in the show, but you know, he's actually managed I think five or six no hitters in his career, and that's pretty strong. It's like the second all-time of managers that have actually managed a team that went, you know, that pitched a no-hitter that Well, what's game. crazy is Friday night, the, the Tigers got bombed. By, destroyed. Yeah. And I think so, the Toronto Blue Jays used it all up. Yeah, like, like baseball's such a weird sport mm-hmm. in that one night you can get absolutely, you know, demolished, have have your doors blown off, and then the next day you, you're 
You day, make history. Day. Not even 24 hours you make later. history. Yeah. <laughs> First combined no-hitter in Tigers, in, in ninth, Tigers ninth in franchise yep, history. Ninth overall, um, first ever combined no-hitter. And people are questioning, should they have taken Manning out of the game? We'll talk about that with Chris Wynn. I watched a little bit of it. Definitely paid attention to the highlights. It's a pretty cool yeah, story. Yeah, you, you, you poor Detroit guys have not had a lot to root we, for in any, the last decade or so. Anything we can grab onto, Chris, you grab onto. If you get one finger on it and hold on to something for a minute in Detroit, you hold on with well, all your you, you, the, the Red Wings have kind of scooped up all the good karma for, for a while with their dynasty yeah, that playoff run with it. Yeah, was what was just it? Twenty five years in yeah, a row. Unprecedented, and, yeah. man. Like, you know, like yeah, the quarter century of making the playoffs is. I don't care how many teams they make were, the playoffs. They were- some of those teams were outright dominant. We're just ridiculous, and uh, you know, real good subject. And one time I do want to talk about that is, uh, you know, it's um, it, it was an incredible story the the Russian five and what happened with Vladimir Konstantinov, a guy and a name that if you you haven't been following hockey for a long time, you may have never heard of this guy. But I'm telling you right now, watching him play, one of the most dominating two way defensemen in the history of the National Hockey League, and as far as physicality goes, the Vladinator was as good as anybody out there and it's just so unfortunate that after they finally break through and win that Stanley Cup they'd been waiting for for so many years right afterwards it's just shattered with a limousine accident that doesn't claim the life of anyone but ends the career of a, a guy who many were considering on his way to being the greatest defenseman of all time. And it's funny because Nicholas Lidstrom follows him up and does become one of the most dominating, greatest defensemen of all time. But you wonder how good would Vladdy have been had he not had you know sustained that that career-ending injury. And uh, just tragic. And I, 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 I remember it like it was yesterday. Truly a, a, a tragedy in professional sports. It really was what had happened that night. But anyways, also uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the Raiders again. Uh, getting up, we're, heck, less than a month away from training them. We'll see if Spencer can get us an update on Jimmy Garoppolo. A lot of people are wondering what his health is going to be like and what he's going to do for this team. And Spencer probably follows the Raiders as well as anybody out there. So we'll talk about that. Uh, Aviators still in full swing. And I keep telling everyone, man, if you have not been out to an Aviators game and seen the Las Vegas ballpark, you've got to get out there and do it. It is the nicest minor league facility in the entire country. And it's right up in Summerlin, man. A great opportunity right by the Red Rock Casino. You've got to get up there and check it out and right by City National Arena where the uh, Vegas Golden Knights practice. So really cool. But anyways, that's what's on tap. If you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own, contact Residential Bank Corp., the company that is funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 for details on current home financing options in the state of Nevada. Spencer, before we get going, man, how are you doing? I just want to know, you know, we talked to each other this morning. It's funny now, Spencer can roll out of bed at 7 o'clock on a Sunday morning because he lives a stone's throw away from the radio station now. Doesn't have to drive that 45 to an hour minute drive back and forth to Pahrump. So, Spence, how you doing, man? It's crazy to talk to you at 7 o'clock and you're just rolling out of bed. I know. Normally, my day starts at five. You know, I got to get graphics ready and everything. Drive out here, so it's a completely different uh, day for me. It feels really nice. I'm very thankful for it, and uh, you know, it almost feels like I've earned the ability to wake up at seven to come here for this show. It's, it's really, it's really cool. You have, and you've earned the ability to wear a bucket hat. Also, I mean, Chris Chapman, I know, is looking at that and is a little bit envious. He is the bucket hat captain here at. at but you've been on the show long enough, Chris. I think. The Wiz has been on the show long enough where he condone a, a, a bucket hat, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. It's a it's a good look for the Wiz. Uh, 
Look, socks and sandals, not a good look, but the bucket hat, you know, you're kind of looking like the teacher from Beavis and Butthead, the the, the, the hippie guy. But, yeah, other than that, the the bucket hat. Look, I'm always a supporter of a good bucket hat. Oh, a bucket. There's nobody that can rock a bucket hat and a Hawaiian shirt like Chris Chapman. Yeah, but but the fact that he's rocking the the Shohei Otani Anaheim Angels. I don't even know. Are they they still? What the hell are they called? The Anaheim, Los Angeles, the I-4, I-5, whatever they want to call themselves. I think the California Angels, which was the original, should have never left. Yeah, like that was was iconic, right? Like Reggie Jackson, I Must Kill the queen and the yes. naked gun california angels yeah and the, the 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 hats they used to wear that had the halo on them was the greatest thing ever it was so cool it's like the old pittsburgh pirate painter's hat that they used to wear i like how spencer's pulled up the the teacher from beavis and Butthead. No, it's classic I, i'm watching it too he's put up and it's funny because we're all wearing head coverings in different ways today spencer's rocking the bucket hat uh chris has the nfl has that a jets hat it's got it is be. a jets hat, jets yeah. hat yep. on backwards and of course i'm i'm just rocking a kind of like a um it's an oakley hat but because of the american it's for the past independence day i didn't wear it on independence day i planned to but it didn't match the color so today <laughs> i wore a tiger shirt i don't wear these often but i felt a little pride today so i wore a tiger shirt and the hat kind of match but anyway guys um Spence, I'm glad uh, you know. I'm glad that you're living closer. It's cool to be for you to be able to get out of bed later and get some sleep one day a week. Uh, I get none ever. Yesterday, I slept until nine o'clock in the morning, and I felt up and woke up and felt like I missed the entire day. I mean, that's how early I get up every day. It's ridiculous. Uh, real quickly, man, before uh, we we move on, um, I also wanted to say, uh, you know, um, a, a special shout out to my dad having a few troubles in Michigan. I I, I think he might be listening to the show. This this morning, and I just want to say, Dad, I love you. Um, I know everything's going to be all right. If you've got to face that other back surgery that we're talking about, we'll all get through that together. But uh, I know that I heard you might be listening this morning, so I just wanted to give you a quick shout out and say hello, and I love you, man. Uh, let's move on, Spence. Go ahead and hit it. Very little to talk about with the Vegas Golden Knights, but we'll start the show the same way we do most of the time. Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Well, you know, Chris, uh, there's been so much to talk about with the Vegas Golden Knights this year. It has been magical. You know, the run, I think uh, just about every subject matter involving the Vegas Golds, Golden Knights has been beaten into the Elmer, taking the, the proverbial horse into the Elmer glue factory. But, you know, not much uh, this so far. The things that have happened to me, the great, the best thing is, uh, that I think is going to benefit them tremendously was on June 25th, re-signing Aiden Hill to that two-year contract extension. I think that's huge for him. I think there will be a bad at goaltender, but I think now if uh, Logan Thompson can come back and play like he did for the first half of the season before he got hurt, Aiden Hill picks up where he left off in the playoffs. The Golden Knights are very solid at goaltending and we can no longer say the Golden Knights don't have an experienced postseason goaltender in that. They now have a Stanley Cup champion goaltender in that, so that that's that satisfied. They acquired on, uh, I think, June 24th, a day before that, they acquired the 7th round draft pick from the Columbus Blue Jackets for a uh, 2023 7th round draft pick, and the other thing on June 23rd, the first transaction after everything, they signed uh, Braden Patchell to a two-year contract and traded, which we all know, probably the most uh, unliked move of the po- of the postseason's 
or I should say the after season so far uh, was um, trading away right winger Riley Smith to Pittsburgh in exchange for a 2024 third round draft pick. Uh, I honestly liked and understood all the moves, Chris, and I think it was. I, I I'm surprised that Aiden Hill stayed, but I think it was great for them to be able to sign him. Well, Aiden Hill betting on himself a little bit, right? Because I I think. Honestly, you look at the window for the Golden Knights, and certainly they've accomplished the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal was to win the Stanley Cup in six years. They've done that. But this team is in a really good position, and I don't say this lightly because it's very, very difficult to do. And, I mean, the odds are certainly against them to do it. But they basically bring back everything from last year. A team that was that had the second most points in the NHL, a team that won the Western Conference, a team that blew through the playoffs, right? Like outside of the first couple games of the Edmonton series, this team was never pushed by anybody in the playoffs. They're easily as good as they were last year. And I understand people say, Oh, you lost Riley Smith. Well, you you're gonna have a couple young players in Pavel Dorofeyev and Paul Cotter, and maybe even Brendan Brisson challenge for that spot now i understand you lose a lot on the penalty kill with riley but i think offensively i think cotter and durafeyev and whoever else they want to put in there i think they'll be able to do a good job the other aspect of this is while they may not have a norris caliber defenseman and i would certainly argue that alex petrangelo deserves a lot more love and respect than he gets but they have the best blue line in the NHL. They do, and Chris, and, I, I, and, I would say I would say Petrangelo is a Norris caliber but defenseman. He, what, but when you look at the votes, and the guy, oh, the yeah. guy doesn't get the respect he deserves. He, he's he's a leader on and off the ice. He's an integral part of this team. He's an integral part of the blue line. And Brian, I mean him and him and Martinez are a really good pairing. But you mentioned Braden Pahal. They also have Caden Korzak and Ben Hutton. Ben Hutton's probably playing on twenty teams. Night in, night out across the league. Paul Cotter, too, who yeah, you just yeah. mentioned. Another so, guy that's so, going to play. But, and Dorofiev, my God, who expected from him when he came in, which was supposed yeah. to be for a little brief showing because they were hurt, and he just, he for, for a minute there, they couldn't get him out of the lineup. Well, well yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing was, you couldn't take him out of the lineup because he was playing so well when he was inserted. Bruce Cassidy raves about him. I, I think Bruce Cassidy really, really likes uh, Pavel Dorofiev. And, and look, here's the reality. You look across. You they they unveiled the cup with the names on it, which I love that they did it before the players yeah, get their way day cool. with the cup. Way cool. I know there are some people around the league crying about it. Shut up! It's it's it should have been this way from the get go. There's players who never have the opportunity to see their name on the cup because it's always engraved after they get their day on the cup, and unless they go to the to. To Toronto to the Hall of Fame, they really don't have the opportunity. It's amazing people make a stink about something that should have been. It should have been the, the norm from the yep. beginning. Agree. So once again, the Golden Knights setting the trend in that regard. But I guess if I'm Pavel Dorofeyev, I'm a, I'm a bit irked that my name isn't on the Stanley Cup. So hopefully for him, he's able to use. I, I guess irked isn't the right word. I'm looking at it saying, hey, you know what? I played some significant minutes for this team in the regular season. My name's not on there. I want to make sure my name goes on there next time. So I think he's gonna he's gonna play a, a, an integral role. And Brian, I mean, look, the, this team is in a position to where they could repeat. It's certainly challenging, but you bring back everything, and certainly you look at the health of Mark Stone. You're gonna say that's a, that's an important aspect of this. But I'm of the mindset 
that as long as Mark Stone is healthy for the playoffs, I don't care about the regular season. These guys are so good, and Mark Stone is such a tremendous leader in that locker room, and he's such an inspirational player to that team. If he's healthy for the playoffs, and this team is healthy in the playoffs, I'm not betting against them. Well, I, Chris, they're they're without question the odds-on favorite, I would think. But again, it's the NHL, like any profession, injuries. There's so well, many yeah, things. Colorado that, probably thought they were yeah. going to have a dynasty. But, you know, speaking of Colorado, when you talk about Petrangelo, you know, you got a guy like Kale McCarr, who no question, this guy's skill set is through the roof. But so overhyped. He last year he's hurt. You know, con- he's had concussion issues, and you know he's already beat the comparisons to Bobby Orr, and yet. You look at a guy like Petrangelo, yeah, who's been doing down. it for years, who's done this. Stanley Cup champion twice now, and yet he doesn't get talked about in a breath of a guy who's in his early 20s still and has so much more time to go. Things like that are a little bit annoying. Well, how, it's also unfair cool is... to a guy like Makar, who you've seen these comparisons in dip sports yeah. over the years. I remember when they were comparing Kirk Gibson to Mickey Mantle at one point <laughs> yeah. in time. I mean, these things happen, and it's unfair comparisons that can really damper someone's career because of expectations. Expectations. Kale McCarr now has got to turn into a Hall of Fame player based on all the hype that's gone out about him. Where Alex Petrangelo, I'm not going to say he's flown under the radar. People know how good he is. Around the NHL, when you're going up against the Golden Knights, you know that you've got to account for Alex Petrangelo. He's just one of the greatest setup defensemen in the game, and he's a tremendous two-way player. But again, why is he not talked about with the greatest defenseman in the game right now? Well, like the, the cool thing is, I, I and, and I'm sure fans, some fans probably think, think about it, but for Alex Petrangelo, he was the first player ever for the St. Louis Blues to lift the Stanley Cup. He was also a member of the Golden Knights who lifted their very first Stanley Cup just a few weeks ago. But every time you go watch Alex Petrangelo play, you're watching a Hall of Fame player. Yeah, no question. No like, question. like you, the, the guy is a Hall of Fame player. Jack Eichel has the potential to be a Hall of Fame player. I think Mark Stone, if he's healthy... You, you look at some of the things he's done. Like, this team has some elite talent and elite players. I mean, well, you know what's so funny, Chris? Just And, and just, just a, a thought, and it's down the A guy like Aiden Hill. They win three Stanley Cups, and somehow he finds his way to be the number one goaltender of this team, and they win three Stanley Cups. Yeah. He could be a Hall of Fame well, goaltender. And, and that's I what mean, I go back to betting on himself, because his contract will expire I think probably around the time the window for the Golden Knights will probably start to close, at least at least with this core group of players. Yeah. I mean, George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon, I think, I, I, I'm convinced they could sell ice to Eskimos. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think they can get any player they want here. It's a matter of, of making them fit under the cap. I mean, they have shown that they're willing to go out and and basically get whatever they need to help them win the Stanley Cup. And for Aiden Hill, I think he's 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 betting on himself, which I love. But I think the Golden Knights, you know, we talked about setting the trend with with getting their names engraved on the cup before they get their day with the cup. The two goalie system is not something that has been popular in the NHL for a while, right? You got to go back to I guess the eighties for 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 things like that. But they, they're they're hurting the market for these goaltenders who are, who are going to play 67, 65 games a year. Because the Golden Knights are going to do it with a tandem. Aiden Hill is probably your number one goalie, but I don't think Logan Thompson is 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 very far behind him in terms of being your number two. And 
I think the kid who plays in Henderson, I think Yuri Patera, I think he's going to push both of them. The other thing is they've got another kid in Henderson named Isaiah Seville. If you haven't seen this kid play, he might be the best of the bunch. He's still really young and raw, but coming through the the, the, the pipeline, they've got some really, they've got two Swedish kids. One kid played for, for the championship team, your gardens uh, in Stockholm in their Swedish league. They've got a ton. They, they, they've got a really good pipeline of goalies coming through and it, it, it's kind of cool to watch. I mean, I well, think the, number one, they recognize talent. And yes. I really think as you good know, as anyone in the league, they do. And, and I think that, you know, again, I don't think you, saying that he's underrated or, or doesn't get recognition is wrong. But Sean Burke has got to get a ton of credit for what this guy has done. Yes. I think he instills confidence in guys, that, especially guys that didn't have the experience like Aiden Hill, you know, to, to give them the confidence that, hey, you're going to be fine. And whatever he says and does, they respect the hell out of him. And. And it shows on the ice, and and I, you know guys like Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill are benefiting so much. And you talk about dual goaltenders, which the Golden Knights might see this year more than you've seen in a long time because you've got two guys that both right now you've got to well, consider well, number one goalies. And got, I think back when I first started watching hockey back in the the eighties, the early eighties, the Detroit Red Wings had a two goaltender shift, and it didn't work out nearly as well as I think the Knights will. A yeah. guy named years ago named Ron Lowe and Jimmy Rutherford, and every <laughs> other night the two Two of them alternated, and it was confusing. Neither one of them was that good, but cumulatively, they made the, the Red Wings a playoff team. They helped get the Red Wings into the playoff cumulatively. I think none of them could have been, neither one of them could have been an every-night goaltender, but again, you took two people and molded them into one. I don't think necessarily the Golden Knights have to do that with either one of these guys, but when they're that good, you've got to find a way to play them both as often as possible. Well, yeah, and, and that's the key, right? We haven't even mentioned Robin Leonard. Like, I mean, where does he fit in? If he's healthy, he's going to challenge. He's a $10 million paycheck, Chris, is what Robin Leonard is. Well, well, like, the, the funny thing is, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to exclude him until we know one way or another what his status is. But you've got two goalies, and you're paying them under $6 million between the two of them. Remember a couple of years ago, they were paying Leonard and Flurry $12 yeah. million? Yeah. Like, think about that. That is your Ivan Barbashev. And Teddy Bluger money right there. The, the the way they were able to get out of that situation in terms of the, the, the high dollars for the goaltender position. I mean, I don't know what Aiden Hill and Lauren Brossois made last year. I, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I can't imagine it was it was a the ton. dollar store, Chris. But, but they were bought at the dollar they, store. They they won the Stanley Cup playing Five goalies and Quick obviously was making really good money because he's a legend. And funny, all, and, and and I know to a degree where you're going. All five of them, none of them were the guy that they projected to be the goaltender of the Vegas Golden Knights at this time a couple of years ago. Yeah, this time last year, Aiden Hill was a member of, of the, the, the San Jose yeah. Sharks. And and the the key is though with Leonard, and, and we'll 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 end on this as far as the subject goes today. Robin Leonard. You know, unfortunately for him, and Chris has pointed out that in Bruce Cassidy's system, he really is a good fit with the type of, with his style of play. But 
Unfortunately for Robin Leonard, he comes in and replaces the initial god of the Vegas Golden Knights in Marc-Andre Fleury. A very thankless position that very, very few people can succeed when you replace a legend. And in this town, and in Pittsburgh, and maybe in the NHL, Marc-Andre Fleury is a legend. So it was tough on Leonard. He was booed. We all know he has depression issues. The fans just never, never really took him in and never, you know, never endeared him. And I think because of that, I just don't think Vegas is a home for Robin Leonard. Now, if something happened and, 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 you know, you never know what circumstances, the way things go, he ended up in net, he ended up doing well. Anything can happen. I mean, who would have thought at the, at the begin from the beginning of last season when guys like you who know hockey didn't even really want to talk about Aiden Hill. Next thing you know, he ends up on the Vegas Golden Knights. And here we are a year later talking about him as a Stanley Cup champion goal tender and going to compete for the starting job for the Vegas Golden Knights. So you, the point is, you never know what's going to happen. At this time next year, we could talk about Robin Leonard being the, the Vegas Golden Knights repeated with Robin Leonard as the goaltender. And, you know, you guys like you and I that understand the game wouldn't be overly shocked. Whoa. This team is geared up where they protect the goal. And you can plug in a lot of guys that are that are efficient under Bruce Cassidy's system that would work. Robin Leonard's a perfect fit for that. He would work if he's healthy and he's good. I just, again, I think it's the situation in Las Vegas that just isn't a fit for him right now. Well, well Brian, like, like the crazy thing is you... You you mentioned you know a couple of years ago like you go back two seasons ago and I'm not talking about the the team that missed the playoffs I'm talking about the team that ended up losing to Montreal in the conference the, the conference final you shake up that magic eight ball first of all nobody knows who the hell Logan Thompson is at that point I don't even know if if if, if he 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 wasn't on I think he had just started playing with Henderson but like you shake it up you shake up that magic eight ball. And you, you 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 tell me that the Golden Knights losing that that quote unquote conference final to Montreal, and you shake up that Magic Eight Ball, and I tell you that the Golden Knights are going to win the Stanley Cup in two years, and neither Mark Andre Fleury or Robin Leonard are the goalies. In fact, the goalies in net for the Golden Knights in that playoff run are Laurent Brossois and Aiden Hill. That Magic Eight Ball says you are absolutely. Out of your mind, oh, yeah, you're, you 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 know you're you're on something. I mean, and and again, you're either you on something had, or onto something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you again, if you go back, say three years from right now, let's go back three seasons ago, maybe four seasons ago. Let's go back to the second or third season of Knights. And you're asking me, telling me the Vegas Golden Knights are going to win the Stanley Cup in year six. Who's going to be their goaltender? And you ask me that in year one, at the end of year one, after they make the run. I'm telling I say, you, Mark Andre Fleury. I'm telling you, Malcolm Subban. Ooh. Six years later, after that first one, I'm not thinking Fleury's still in the league. Yeah. I'm thinking six years later, I'm thinking they're grooming Malcolm Subban. That's why they got him yeah. to become the heir apparent to Marc-Andre Fleury when he retires. I'm saying at that point in time, and after year one, that's all we know is Marc-Andre Fleury and Malcolm Subban. Yeah. I'm saying that's the... Go okay, you're telling me we win it in six years, Malcolm Subban's between the pipes. That's how different things are now as to where they it, were it's, then. It's truly remarkable because... Uh, you, Aiden Hill was 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 like the only time we had ever seen Aiden Hill play in Vegas was he was coming in for mop up duty, like because the starting goal he got pulled. Yeah, Laurent Brossois never really had an opportunity to play in in Winnipeg because Connor Hellebuck just is so damn good, yep. and he plays sixty five games a year, so Laurent Brossois' action was limited. But but man, the 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 ability of and it. And it I know some sometimes fans get angry 
at this point, you can you can be upset that your favorite player got traded. Oh or, my god! Or, or, if you question anything, you at, at this point, <laughs> like I I I've just decided like they're like when they traded Pacioretty, my take was well, we're, who's going to score goals for this team? That was my take. Well, obviously, they didn't need Max Pacioretty because they found goals in other spots. Well, Chris, like I said. Anybody that questions anything, a guy like George McPhee, and now I'll add Kelly McCrimmon to that list, you're insane. Well, 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 I mean, like, I like, mean, the first year after the first year, I heard people like again at the end of the first season. Why did they pick up Ryan Reeves? We were people complaining. Then he becomes a fan favorite at the end of the first season. How could they trade James Neal and David Perron? Oh my God! Yeah. those are two of the best players on this team. <laughs> you know, again. Don't question management, and that's what makes that's what makes Bill Foley an exceptional owner. He puts hockey people in place to make hockey decisions, gives them the money to do what they need to do, and leaves them alone. And tells them, "Here's the deal: if you don't win, you'll be gone. Yeah, that's I mean, all that's... it is. I'm going to let you do you you do your thing. I'm going to be an owner. I'm opening up the purse strings, but win by year six. I want a Stanley Cup. They do what he tells them. They get gamefully employed, and they get to make the well, decisions." Well, Look at look, let's go back to this scenario, right? Because I think it, it's been a, a while, and you know, it, I, I, I maybe people, you know, maybe it's something that's in the back of their mind. But Jack Eichel had that experimental surgery. Jack Eichel, there was no guarantee that he was going to ever be the same player in the NHL coming off that neck surgery, and. I think it was it was George McPhee who made the comment in in the the the, the final uh, media availability of the season that if that move didn't work out, him and Kelly were going to be out of a job. Yeah, and they knew it. So to take that risk, Bill Foley, like I I would have loved to have been in the room where George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon go to Bill Foley and say, "Look, Bill, we we have to trade Alex Tuck." We've got to trade Peyton Krebs, and we've got to trade a first-round pick for a guy coming off of neck surgery that had never been done for an no, NHL no, player. No doubt. And and and, and, Chris- and I would just love to hear the conversation if, if Bill was like, you know what? You guys do what you got to do. Or if there was pushback. Like I would love to know yeah. how that went down. I think you know. I think you know. The, 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 probably a little bit to me. The biggest. The, the, the biggest argument might have been there for Alex Tuck just because of how popular he was here in Vegas. Everyone really liked him. He was becoming a fan favorite. And and he's he's, a good he's dude. become one. He's a good dude. He's become one of the solid main staples if, in the Buffalo Sabers attack now. So he's he's what people expected him to be. But he's not Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel is a rare talent. I'm going to say to a degree, I made a mistake on him. Or at least in the season when I wasn't sold on him. I mean, and, and part of that is from fans, a friend of mine and, and a friend of yours from Buffalo that just was happy as hell that he left. And you know what? He Something snapped inside of that guy's head, and we saw it in the postseason. He could handle the postseason, and I'll tell you what, Jack Eichel took one of the biggest hits of the entire postseason and didn't skip a beat. Yep. And that, that right yep. there shows this guy's toughness, his intestinal fortitude, and how good of a hockey player is. We'll leave it at that. I know Chris Wynn's probably ready to join the show.
And as always, uh, we get stuck on the Vegas Golden Knights, but it's hard not to. And uh, real quickly, before we get into the, something I wanted to talk about, NBA Summer League and Tigers, and we're going to try to do this quickly, I wanted to just bring up uh, the, the obviously the Las Vegas Aces and uh, you know what they've done this year. They lost their second game of the season. You know, At the beginning of the season, after like nine straight wins, I was thinking, you know, hey, undefeated. I wasn't the only one uh, that was thinking that. A lot of people were, and people talked about it in games. Could this team possibly go undefeated? Um, it ended up getting uh, getting Van Gundy. I, I'm not going to say that's what got him let go by ESPN. If one of the one of the one of their many cuts, but you know he made a statement about that during a, during an NBA game. They have played really well. Yeah, they lost a close one, 80-78 to the Dallas Wings on Friday night, but this team might be the best, cumulatively the best team in the history of the WNBA to this point. They play so well together. Asia Wilson is as good of a leader in any sport on any team as you are ever going to find. Marketable, personable, uh keeps her ego in check the majority of the time and just really a great face of the WNBA and uh, you know it, it, it's it's incredible what they have done to this point um, as far as for the WNBA and actually right now the Aces are pacing to become the first WNBA team ever to turn a profit at the end of a season and uh, you know that that Definitely is a credit to Las Vegas for bringing a team in, a credit for Mark Davis to taking it very seriously and doing things that other NBA, WNBA owners have not, building them a practice facility that is as nice as any facility I've seen. Men, women, any team sport, it's incredible up in Henderson. And he has really put his heart and soul into this team. And he even says the Raiders are Team 1, the Aces are Team 1A. That's how much, and, and I truly believe he believes that way. Chris, how good is this Aces team and how much fun is it to go to one of these games and watch them play. Oh, is he with us, Spence? Up oh, there he is. I can't hear him. Can you hear Chris? No. Spence, can we hear Chris? He's I can't. probably got to unmute his computer. Yeah, unmute your computer, maybe, Chris. I don't know. We can't hear you. I can. I can hear him. I don't know if you can hear me. I can okay, hear you. you. Guys hear me now? There, I. Now, we hear you now, Chris. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, they're clearly one of the best teams in WNBA history. That's not a good question at all, to be quite honest with you. Yeah, they lost a tough one there to Dallas, uh, uh, in Dallas, and uh, they're going to be taking on a Minnesota team tonight uh, up in Minnesota. But this is you, you, there was a lot of talk, obviously, going into the season that them, along with uh, you know the New York Liberty, being the two super teams with uh, you know Connecticut a solid team as well too, and, and a couple of others. But uh, I think it's been clear that the Aces have shown that uh, I think they are they are still uh, cut above even even a team like the New York Liberty. So uh, we'll get a chance to see that tonight, uh, them in action again tonight. Try to try to bounce back after that loss. But uh, it's it's going to be tough sledding for anybody else in the WNBA. I mean, it's, it really looks like the Aces are primed to win back-to-back championships right now in the WNBA. Yeah, I agree with you, Chris. I think, uh, you know, if it was a one-game thing, like a one-and-done, like uh, the NCAA tournament, I mean, anybody can beat anybody on a given night. You know, again, they just got beat by the Dallas Wings, who are a 500 basketball team, and the Aces are definitely a better squad than them. But again, every team is going to get geared up to play them, and if it was a one-game scenario, they could go out. But at any series, even a three-game series, I just think to beat them two out of three games, 
games. Nobody's going to be able to do that. I can't see this team not going back-to-back. Chris, we've got the NBA WNBA All-Star coming up, game coming up on the 15th. I just realized today I choked it on getting credentials for that. I was talking to Chris Chapman. He did as well. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll get you on or somebody that's going to the game that'll that, that'll get a chance to uh, to view that. And Vegas does such a great job in this. Part of the reason that the Aces may show a profit and probably will show a profit for the first time any team in WNBA history throughout a season has done that. They deserve it. They put together a great product. They play in a good venue for them at the Man- at Michelob Ultra Arena at the Mandalay Bay. But, Chris, this all-star game thing, you know, it kind of started, you know, maybe maybe over in the NFL, uh, you know, picking teams. And, 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 and you, in, the, in the NBA, you see, them, you know, now you've got two guys that pick their teams. I don't love it. I've always liked two all-star teams from different conferences. Tradition, it's changing now. But this thing, and like Asia Wilson, because she's the leading vote-getter, and then Brianna Stewart, you know, the two captains, she gets to pick first, and she picks Chelsea Gray. Now, hey, Chelsea Gray's for sure an all-star, and for sure one of the best blue-collar players in the WNBA. I mean, she just gets it done. She is an X-factor that... Her worth, you know, just can't be, you can't overlook it. But she is not the first player to be picked in the WNBA draft. That is completely a homer pick by Asia Wilson. And it's almost bothersome, you know, then Brianna Stewart turns around and picks Brittany Griner. I mean, pick the best player available, but I just don't think it should be a pick thing, Chris. I think you've got the Western Conference and the Eastern Conference go at it like like tradition. Yeah, I think the, the reasoning behind as far as like the conferences look is the WNBA. It's been around for 26 years, but there's still only a handful of teams that are in the league. So the whole Eastern Conference, Western Conference thing, to me, I think is it's it's not really a huge drawing point, I guess. Look, this isn't a hill I'm going to die on, Ryan, when it comes to selections in an all-star. It's an all-star game, you know, so I'm not going to get too crazy about it as far as uh, getting over the top or upset by how they <laughs> actually do it. I mean, it's fine. Uh, you know, you have two of the premier players in the WNBA picking their teams. It's all all-star players on both teams. So, uh, and but getting back to the point you're talking about, as far as the aces, right, and where they stand here in Vegas, as far as as far as popularity and as far as a draw, there's no question, right, uh, Brian, as well as Mags and Wiz. This is a team that's found a niche here in Las Vegas, no doubt about it. You talked about the Michelob Ultra Arena. It's a great setup down there as far as as far as the presentation of the product. I've been on the air multiple times here in town talking about the WNBA women's basketball you know, as far as the basketball competition. And uh, I won't get into that, but but the point is that there's definitely a a they they carved out their niche here in Las Vegas with the Aces, of course, winning the championship last year has also helped with that as well. And I find it pretty remarkable that they're going to be the first team to, to draw a profit in WNBA history, given that it's it, when it, from, from a money standpoint, uh, there's no denying and there's no avoiding the uh, tough situation, uh, is the way I'll put it, when we're talking about the WNBA and making money, given the kind of financial setup that it is. Yeah, you know, the... the, the the cry out 
for larger salaries in the WNBA has been one of the most annoying topics for me for a long time. Number one, because of the length of the season. First and foremost, you have to take that into account. I mean, you're playing now 40 games. The WN, the NBA plays double that. And then if you add the postseason in, and, you know, the WN has five and seven game series for most of theirs. And it just, it's so much more basketball played in the NBA. And then the amount of revenue generated by the NBA. It's just such an unfair comparison. And that's what bothers me is the ladies shouldn't be comparing themselves to the NBA because it's completely different from the number of games to the revenue brought in. And it's bothered me. But again, just to my, my point on the format, Chelsea Gray right now is ranked 26th in all WNBA players, yet she's basically told she's the number three by Asen Wilson drafting her number one. I don't want to make a whole great deal of it, and I'm thrilled Chelsea Gray's in there. I think she is a tremendous player. Like I said, she's a, she's a great talent, but you know, there's just other players Asia could have picked in front of her instead of just this Homer thing. And that's the unfortunate thing is whoever gets to be the captain, you know, can pick you know the, their players first, which just I, I just don't like. I said I don't like it, but again, uh, I think it'll be really exciting at Michelob Ultra Arena. Look forward to talking about that in the very near future as the game is next Saturday. So should be a good time, Chris. I know you'll be out there, and um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the teams. I think uh, I think uh, you know it's going to be a lot closer game than you think, but I think it'll be extremely high scoring like all All Star games are. Spence, go ahead and hit fact this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. It's a fact. 2023 will be the start of the NBA's in-season tournament. This means an NBA championship game will be held in Las Vegas. What does this mean for the city of Las Vegas as far as the NBA is concerned, Chris Wynn? I mean, the Summer League that is going on now has been a huge success, and now this. Vegas has to be right around the corner from landing an an NBA franchise, right? Oh, there's no question about it, right, Brian and Mags and and Wiz, is that it's not a matter of it's a matter of when at this point when it comes to the NBA coming to Vegas. I find it significant, knowing that, uh, and by the way, this week's, it's kind of crazy, right? Basketball Central here in Las Vegas, but you have, obviously, the Aces coming back to town to play the Mercury, and then we have the WNBA All-Star Game, and, of course, the NBA Summer League here in town for the next uh, 10 days. So, uh, But the, the last time Vegas had actual NBA games that meant something, right, and that counted, was back when the Lakers were playing here, right? When they had uh, apparently issues uh, with, with the forum, as far as uh, as far as that goes. So that was, and that was back in the, we're talking about the 1980s, right? So uh, pretty cool to see that the uh, the NBA is back in Vegas for actual regular season games that are going to matter. So I think that's a that's a super cool thing. Yeah. No, it really is. The NBA used a World Cup-style draw process to create the groups, and teams and players agreed to the format through the new collective bargaining agreement. Uh, all 30 teams will participate and will be split into six groups, three groups in each conference. Group play begins November 3rd, uh, played on Tuesday and Friday through November 28th. Eight teams advance to the knockout rounds consisting of single elimination games. Semis and finals take place in Las Vegas. Vegas winning teams players take home five 
hundred K. And um, I, you know, Chris, it, it's kind of interesting. And the thing that's the most interesting to me of the whole thing is all of these games will count toward the regular season, except for the championship games. So teams will actually certain teams will have will have played more games than others. So now they've got to kind of jog the numbers to figure out where teams are going to fit when it comes to the actual postseason at the end of the season. Yeah, we'll see how that all shakes out. Obviously, I mean, I, I wasn't privy to all the details regarding that, but uh, again, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just, they've been talking about the NBA as far as expansion, right? And it's been constantly mentioned that obviously Seattle with the Super Size gone now, they would like to see Seattle get a franchise in Vegas is the other team as well too. So uh, this is just one more addition as to you know, uh, get, it gives Vegas a little more, a, 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 one more taste, right, of the NBA. Uh, but this time, it's for real as far as regular season games. And uh, it, it gives, it gives us a little anticipation of what's to come, which is going to be a NBA franchise here in Las Vegas. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about uh, about it. I, I, I actually thought it was really cool when I heard it. I think and I think Adam Silver is an innovator and a guy that uh, just sees the big picture. I think he always has. And the one thing I, I love about Adam Silver is he loves Las Vegas. I mean, he's a guy that is completely for a Las Vegas NBA franchise where we know David Stern always seemed to have a little bit of a problem in Las Vegas. And to, the 2007 All-Star game being here didn't help out with the way it transpired in Las Vegas. Uh, Chris, real quickly, a quick breakdown of what you've seen at the Summer League so far. Unbelievable success, uh, you know, that those guys have put on. Albert and Wayne have just done a great job from the beginning of putting the Summer League on, and now you see what it has become. The first couple of days, sellouts. Again, I, I just have been busy, and, and this year not going to get down to the Summer League. But, you know, amazing that you see a rookie, a young kid, like, you know, like Victor um, Wembenyama, and this guy is just off the chart, 15,000 people pack the Thomas and Mac. We haven't seen crowds like that since UNLV was in contention uh, to, to see a guy make his NBA de- debut in a meaningless game. No question, right, Brian? I think this is the most packed it's been inside the Thomas and Mac since I believe that Arizona game when Arizona was ranked and they came to town against UNLV. Look, it was kind of crazy. Fun facts, right? When it came to that game on Friday, obviously Victor's debut, one of the more anticipated rookies probably since LeBron James, right, 2003-2004, had a tough shooting night. But the average ticket price, you guys, 114 bucks a seat. That's more than San Antonio Spurs games. That they that that going on down there in Texas, so gives you a little bit of an idea. Of Chris, you know, Chris, you can get two season tickets on the floor for UNLV for 119 bucks. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Unbelievable, man. No, it's, it's really cool. Like I said, it, it's become a staple here in Las Vegas, something that the community looks forward. People come to town and uh, literally are planning vacations around the opportunity to see the NBA Summer League. And what's really cool is that a lot of the young guys or maybe guys that have been hurt, uh, you know, that didn't play a lot last year, that uh, that get to come back this year and show what they're made of. And we're seeing that in the, in the Summer League this year. Uh, you know, some some uh, uh, some unfortunate news. You know, I heard that, uh, that uh, you know, Amen Thompson, who was the fourth pick of the, in this year's past year's draft uh, is done after only one game in summer league. He suffered a grade two ankle sprain of his left ankle, um, expected to be out three to four weeks. And I know that uh, Houston heavily anticipates this guy helping this team get better. A lot of uh, people were pumped too to see the game tonight, guys, as the the 
Portland Trailblazers are taking on the San Antonio Spurs, obviously Victor with San Antonio, but also uh, Scoot Henderson, who yeah. played here with the Las Vegas Ignite for two seasons and is uh, another guy that's really exciting to watch. Apparently has a shoulder issue, so he's not going to play. Ah, you get first and third round draft pick. First and third draft pick would have been going head-to-head. That would have been cool. Yeah, that would have been super cool, right, Brian, to see that. So, look, there's still a lot of players. Obviously, you love the storylines, guys trying to make it in the league. Yesterday, I saw a number of them. Uh, Drew Timmy from Gonzaga was playing uh, in the in the in the Bucks Phoenix Suns game yesterday. Got a chance to see him play a little bit. And guys, also a great thing about summer league, it's just people watching Central. You know, I mean, it's just so awesome to get down there. You can literally rub shoulders with NBA legends, young and young players, and and former players, and executives, and media people. It's really cool. I mean, I, I'm down there for the first five minutes, guys. I walk in the building, I see Danny Ainge, I you know, I see you know Jerry West. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was at the game Friday, and you know Tayshawn Prince, former you know Detroit Pistons you know, champion in 2004, uh, Steve Smith, another uh, Michigan State guy, Brian. So I mean, you just get a chance to see all these guys from the NBA that you, you know, obviously uh, in our everyday lives here in Las Vegas, you don't necessarily get a chance to run into these guys. So that's a really cool aspect, also, of summer league is that the fans and uh, even even members of the media like us can get down there and get a chance to. To, to just talk basketball with some, some people that you normally wouldn't be able to, to run into. Oh, no question about it. A couple of years ago, you know, I remember I'm in I'm in the parking lot heading out to my car, and there's Patrick McCaw walking out at the same time as me. We stood in the parking lot and chatted for about 10 minutes, and, uh, you know, he was just, you know, like elated because he had, you know, he was now an official part of the Golden State Warriors at that time. But like you said, that's what happens at NBA Summer League. I'm walking out to my car, and I end up walking out there with Pat. McCaw talking about his UNLV days. It was pretty cool. That stuff is uh, all part of NBA Summer League. And again, if you haven't been down there, it's worth the price of admission, man. You see several games and several future NBA stars get playing. And uh, right now, as you mentioned, with Wembenyama, the, the the biggest highlight in the NBA since LeBron joins. Uh, James joined the league. Chris, uh, can't can't get out of here without talking about the Detroit Tigers. And yesterday in Major League Baseball, the Detroit Tigers made history by be, the, the, I should say made history for their franchise the first time in Detroit Tigers history, which dates back to the early 1900s. Um, you were talking about uh, one and only shutout. Uh, no hitter, I should say, that was combined by three different Tigers pitchers. And a uh, pretty cool thing. I saw a little bit of the game, saw the highlights. Um, you know, a pretty cool thing for a team that is 10 games under 500. So, Brian, quick story here on this, right? So, Danny Ainge, I brought I just mentioned, right? Danny Ainge played for the Toronto Blue Jays. I saw him at Tiger Stadium back in the 80s playing the Blue Jays. So, I mentioned it to him yesterday. I said, hey. Your guy just got no hit by my Tigers or 10 games under 500. He's got to chuckle about that. But you guys were talking about this earlier in the show, right, Brian? What was the first thing I thought of when I think about this team that's 10 games under 500, throwing a combined no-hitter for the Detroit Tigers? I thought of, for the love of the game, the movie, right? Yeah. Billy, Kevin Costner. And because you were talking about this whole theme of, of bad teams, right? And, and on one, any given day in Major League Baseball, you can be the best team in baseball. And that's a line uh, from one of the actors in that movie. It's talking to Kevin Costner, who plays Billy Chappell, the pitcher, where he says, you know what? We don't stink today. We're actually kind of decent. We are, we're the best team in baseball right now. And so when you guys were talking about that at the top of the hour, uh, that yesterday, you know, during that game, that's the absolutely – 
the first thing I was thinking of was that movie for Love of the Game and Kevin Costner and Philly Chapel throwing that perfect game in the old Yankee Stadium against the Bronx Bombers. No, uh, great, great movie and a, a great point in that movie. Without question, I actually got just got goosebumps when you talked about that moment. It was really cool when he came out to the mound and like, I've never been a part of anything like this. We don't stink right now. And it, it was an incredible movie in that respect. The guy, as you mentioned, Billy Chappell at the absolute end of his career uh, throw, has a perfect game and, you know, just uh, unprecedented. But really cool. Only nine times in Detroit Tigers franchise history has somebody thrown a no-hitter uh, actually, Justin Verlander and old Virgil Trucks are the only two guys that have done it more than once. Jack Morris, of course, threw a no-hitter, and I think the last one before this was back in 2021. Spencer Turnbull threw that no-hitter, and you know it's crazy. It's the only game in his career he's ever pitched beyond the seventh inning. So that was pretty cool. But to see three guys combine, Chris, real quickly on this subject, did you think they should that, that at the time, A.J. Hinch, and again, I don't want to question his ability. He's a pretty damn good skipper, but do you think he should have taken out uh, Matt Manning or let him let him keep going and get through with I mean, there were two outs already in the sixth. He almost pulled him after the fifth, but I thought leave him in there. So he walked the guy. He's got two outs, man. Give him one more hitter. Let him get through the sixth and let him at least start the seventh. Yeah, I would concur with that. I was on, I'm on board. Look, I mean, obviously like it's, it's, it's a tough situation that we talk about pitch counts and things like that, but uh, yeah, I, I, obviously, right. You want the guy, you, you want to give the guy the chance to kind of do it. And, uh, un- you know, unfortunately for the Tigers, that didn't happen. But fortunately, they did win the game and they end up getting the shutout. So after a, a day after getting just absolutely lambasted, as you guys pointed out, uh, against the Blue Jays, they, they end up getting the 2-0 win. So, I mean, I guess we, we can we can Sunday morning quarterback all we want, right, Brian? When no, hey, they got, you know, it worked to get the win. And, uh, you know, combined, combined with uh, Jason Foley, who's been one of their most successful relievers out of the bend this year, 2.10 ERA. He's got three saves, 34 strikeouts, only six walks. He's done a tremendous job out of the pen for the Tigers. And Alex Lang, you know, I mean, uh, he, he has been a, a decent, solid closer. He's got 13 saves to lead the team on the year, uh, 3.7. ERA not the greatest, but 45 strikeouts. The guy is definitely proving to be a closer for this team. And what's hilarious is they're 10 games under 500, but only five and a half games back in that horrible American League Central where I think the, the Cleveland, I hate saying the Guardians, but the Cleveland Guardians lead the AFC Central one game over 500. So they're still in the hunt if they can have a good second half push to win a meaningless, lousy division. But uh, still pretty cool to have them in the news and do that. And one more note on baseball, Chris I don't know if you saw also, but I think he's one of the more exciting players in baseball. And I'm not talking about Shohei Otani, who I think is one of the most incredible stories maybe in baseball history since Babe Ruth. But how about Taylor Cruz, man, yesterday? Kid's 21 years old, gets on base, gets an RBI single in the seventh with two outs, follows that up two pitches later, steals second, then steals home, excuse me, third, and then steals home all at the same time. That hasn't been done in a long time, but it was pretty cool. I didn't see the game, but I saw the highlights of him doing it. He's like six foot five two that guy just runs like an antelope and he's and he had an exciting cycle the other day too where he hit the cycle and he finished it off with the triple right it's a, there's nothing more exciting than watching some guy hit the cycle when he when he has the triple still yet to go and that's the one he caps it off with to me that so ellie Dela cruz no question 
one of them were talking about, and, and now they're talking about kind of doing like a uh, plea thing, right? With the Dodgers. Yep. yep. The Dodgers were, you got to find a way to get Dela Cruz. No, I, 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 who knows if they will or they won't, but he is, they call him one of the most exciting players in the game. I agree. Listen, we're out of time. Want to thank Chris Wynn, Spencer the Wiz Ostrowski, Chris Magnum Chapman for the help. I'm Brian Feldman. This is Out of Line. We are here every Sunday morning, same time, 8 to 9, Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Until next week, we're out. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.